Well, good morning. It's good to see you guys. My name is Tim. I'm the pastor here. If you're new, I uh, want to welcome you to Phoenix Bible Church. If you're not new, I want to welcome you back. Before we get into the sermon, I want to celebrate something, and that is the Ruides family. Uh, some of you know them. They're uh, leaders in our church, Julian and Amanda Ruides. Last night, they welcomed uh, Selah Ruides. So oohs and ahs filling the room now. Um, now, she's just, I don't know if you can tell from the picture, she's three pounds, ten ounces. So tiny. Uh, Friday, I got a text from Julian, uh, actually before a leaders meeting that night, and he said, hey, uh, just so you know, uh, Amanda and the baby are at risk. We have to go in. They're going to induce her at 34 weeks. If you don't know, that's really early. And so I uh, didn't know what was going to happen, but he kept us in the loop on that. And then Saturday night, uh, last night, he texted me this picture and said, baby, mom are healthy. So praise God for that. Uh, they're healthy, and we can continue to uh, celebrate that and also pray for them. He said they're going to be in the NICU, or she is. Selah is going to be in the NICU for the next two weeks or so. Uh, so continue to pray for them if you know them. Um, see how you can reach out maybe in the next week or so and see what they might need. Uh, as we get into the sermon, I want to pray for them now. Pray first, right? Seems like the right thing to do. Uh, so we're going to pray for them, and uh, would you pray with me? Father in heaven, I thank you for uh, little baby Selah. I thank you for her health. I thank you for the health of Amanda. I thank you that uh, you brought them through this process uh, just seemingly fine, and, and it's going to be a process. It's going to be just that over these next couple of weeks as she gets healthy and stronger and God, I pray during this season uh, that you would just continue to strengthen them and continue to, to allow them to get rest uh, when they can for us as a church family to come around them uh, when it's appropriate and, and allow them to have more rest and take them meals and, and all those things. God, we pray uh, for them. I thank you just for uh, some of these texts I've gotten from Julian of just excitement and uh, celebration of new life. What a gift. Uh, children are a gift from the Lord, and this is a, a truly a, a miracle. So we praise you. We acknowledge you first this morning as we get into this sermon. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, as we do get into the sermon, I'm excited to be back with you guys. Last Sunday, uh, I was at Desert Springs Bible Church preaching at their church. Uh, their pastor was here preaching at our church, and it was a really special time because our churches are really different. Uh, and some of you don't know this, if you're new, we're, we're two years old as a church. Desert Springs Bible Church is in the, the north suburbs of Phoenix. They're 40 years old as a church, and we've been able to partner with one another, and they've been able to, to come alongside us, and I like to say that we want to be them when we grow up. They don't like that too much, right? Uh, but they, they've been a great partner to us, but we're so different. Like they're 40 years old, we're two years old. They would tell stories when I was preaching there, two services, in and out of the service. They would tell stories about when they were there at the very beginning of the church, of when they met in a school and how it was building a church from the ground up. And listen, we're not telling that story, we're living that story, Right? And so we're different as churches, but it's a special thing when they, when they would say during services, in between services, people would come up to me and say, hey, we want to come visit your church. I mean, we might just skip our church one Sunday and come visit your church. I'm like, well, don't do that, but thank you. And, and they would say, hey, we keep up with you guys, and we've been praying for you guys. And it's a special thing, not just for unity across our city, but for impact across our city. Right? That collectively, as the church of Jesus Christ, we can do more together than we can apart. And so it's a great thing that you are a part of. Maybe some of you don't even realize that, but there's people praying for you. We're partnering with other churches to see Jesus made much of in our city. 
So that was Sunday. Uh, and then Monday was a little bit different story. I woke up on Monday morning, and uh, we immediately started looking for our Elmer book. Really important, really big deal, our Elmer book. Our four-year-old son had his Elmer book. If you don't know, it's Elmer the Elephant. And you get to take him home for three days and do different stuff with him, take pictures, journal about those, those events in your life with Elmer, and then you take him back to school. Well, Monday morning, there's a problem. We can't find Elmer the book, right? And so we're ripping apart our whole house trying to find Elmer because, you know, we don't want to be the parents who lost Elmer, right? Not a good reputation to have. And so we're ripping apart our whole house in the crease of my couch where all treasures lie. We found Elmer, right? So get Elmer, fix that situation. Then I get in my car and try to start it. It doesn't start. Battery's dead. Managed to get my car started, make it up to AutoZone to replace my battery. I'm sitting in my car, and right next to me is another car. And the kid in the back seat of the car flings open his door, hits my door, uh, but not just like dings it and pulls it off, right? Like that could happen. Not just that. No, it's wedged. Literally, my door and his door are wedged together, and he's just jerking on it. Like, and it's making those screeching noises like, ur, ur, ur. and I'm like, no, no, just stop, stop, stop. And he's just jerking on it, and it's carving out its little hole in my, in my door. And we get that situation solved, and the mom honestly just looked at me through the window and just said, sorry. And then they drove off. Right? And so that, that was my Monday morning. Now, luckily, I drive a 17-year-old Volvo. Don't be jealous. And, and so FPU, Financial Peace University, we're going through that as a church right now, right after this. If you want to join up to that, talk to us. But my car's paid off, right? So just a little plug for Financial Peace University, pay off your cars. Uh, so I wasn't too worried about it. But it, was a, it, wasn't, it wasn't a great Monday morning, right? And, and I tell you all that because of this, that all of those events that morning reminded me of my need, right? That, that something is off. Something's off in my life. Like, you shouldn't lose Elmer. Something's off in our world. Like, you shouldn't wedge your door against somebody's and not be able to pull it off. Like, like something is off in our world, and I realized my need, our need. And I, I know some of you have had Mondays like that. Maybe your Monday was like that. But I know it's not just Mondays, Right? I know it's every day of the week for some of us that our need follows us around, that it's deep-seated in our lives. It's not just little things like your car door getting dinged. It's way, way bigger things relationally in your life that some of you this morning are in need relationally. You have conflict with your spouse right now. It's real life. We're not just uh, separated from real life because we're in church. You have conflict with your spouse right now. You have conflict with a, another family member. You have relational tension, and there's need in that. Some of you, it's just your schedule. You're overwhelmed with your work schedule, and there's no end in sight. Some of you, it's your, your class schedule. You're like, man, when is summer coming? The semester just started. And so I know across this room, we're all in the midst of needs. They're just different, Right? Maybe right now yours is small, maybe yours is big, but we all are in the midst of need. So we're going to look at how do we pray in the midst of that need? On those Monday mornings, in those bigger situations, how do we pray 
first in our need. And to help you with that, some of you have this already. We have a prayer guide that follows along with our sermon series through each week of this. Pray first in your joy, need, confusion, all those things. And so this was written by some people in our church. So if you are new and you haven't grabbed one, I would encourage you to do that so you can follow along with us. We have some more. I think 33 are left at the Connect Desk. So grab one of these. It's also on the website. Uh, Just click that first tab, pray first, and you can download an electronic copy. But let's look at uh, the text for the morning. Matthew chapter 6, you can grab a Bible. We should have some near you, some hard black ones, and uh, you can also look on your app. That counts, right? And we'll have it up on the screen as well. Dave read it a bit ago, but if you look at the verse, uh, verse 9, it says, pray then like this. And and so I feel like we, we need to pause for a second. I know we're in a series on prayer, right? And some of us, man, we love praying to God. We, we have a, a robust conversation with God every day. Some of you are going through this prayer guide. Some of you just realized, oh, we have a prayer guide, and you've forgotten to go through it at all. And some of us, when we talk about prayer, we feel guilty, right? Like, I don't pray as often as I should. I don't pray as I should. I don't know how to pray. And a lot of us feel guilty when we pray. And I want you to see this. Jesus knew that prayer would be difficult for you. And so he says, Pray like this. I'm going to teach you how to pray. I'm going to help you how to pray. And so that's what we're engaging in this morning is how we pray according to Jesus. And this is what's called the Lord's Prayer. And some of you may be really familiar with this. Even if you're new to church, new to Jesus, you know about the Lord's Prayer. Maybe you recited it before a football game. Maybe you recited it in a ceremony. And you grew up, you knew the Lord's Prayer. Maybe this is your first time to church, but you know about the Lord's Prayer prayer. Some of you have memorized it, right? Did you grow up in a church where you you memorized the Lord's Prayer and you know it by heart? And I think a lot of us are so familiar with it, but we don't really know the context of it. And so I want to help us with that this morning. We're in Matthew 6, just kind of parachuting into this chapter. And so some of the context is important that this is the Sermon on the Mount, That's Matthew 5 all the way to the end of Matthew 7, the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus gives this amazing message. And if you haven't read it, you should go back and read those three chapters. But Jesus basically does this. He deconstructs all of life around our ideas and who we are. And then he reconstructs it all back together with God at the center And so that's what he's in the midst of doing in chapter 6. And in the middle of it all, it's the Lord's Prayer. And that's not by accident. It's interesting. Most scholars call this a a chiastic pyramid. Impress your friends with that one, right? That it's a chiastic pyramid that if you can just picture that Matthew 5 and 7 and those beginning and end parts, that they're like the bottom and the sides. And they point to a climactic moment in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount that is the the Lord's Prayer. And so we're in this climactic moment of this amazing sermon by Jesus, and he teaches us how to pray. And look at the text with me. What's the first thing he says? This is how you pray. What's the first thing he says? Does he get into morality? Does he say you start out with, oh, woe is me. God, I've screwed this up again. I mean, I haven't talked to you in a little while. Does he start with that? No, how does he start? He says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Holy is your name. You see, Jesus is showing us the importance in all of life, of all of our prayers, to see God rightly as Father. 
to see God rightly as Father. So some of you people hear, hear, hear people say, Father in heaven, heavenly Father. Maybe some of you pray like that. You need to know that's not just a cadence. That's not just symbolic. That scripture depicts God as Father. And I think for a lot of us, the reason we don't pray is because we don't view God rightly as Father. Like when you think about God, you see him as a distant judge, but you don't see him as father. And it's hard for us to wrap our minds around, even just for us in the room as fathers. Because God is a father, but he's not a father like you, amen? Like, thank God, he's not a father like us. He's not like the father who raised you. No, he's perfect. Hallowed be his name. Holy is his name. We don't have holy next to our names. Your dad didn't have holy next to his name. He is a perfect father. And Jesus says, you pray like this, Father, hallowed be your name. You recognize, you acknowledge that you are addressing when you pray, when you talk to God, that he's a perfect father. He's your holy father. And then he says this. He says, your kingdom come. The meaning of kingdom, he hints at it. If you look at the verse with me, he says, your will. He's talking about the will of God, the rule of God, the kingdom of God on heaven, that it would come to earth. And so he asked for that in the midst of our need, in the midst of any situation we're going through, we can ask for that. Our Father in heaven, you're perfect. Your kingdom come. Your rule be done. Your will be done. Your rule in my life, in this earth, in the midst of our needs. Now, I know as I say that, a lot of us don't get excited about that, right? We're in a sermon on need. All of you walk in here with needs. We already talked about that. And when we look at this prayer, first thing we're praying is, perfect Father, your kingdom, your rule come in my life. And maybe as you're sitting there and you're, you're tracing through your mental list of needs and you're thinking, my job, I need a better job. My spouse, maybe better spouse. Finances, maybe some finances that would be better. Kids, maybe my kids could get better. And you're, you're thinking through, I have a lot of needs. I, I, don't know, I don't know if perfect heavenly father, kingdom come. I don't know if that's on that list, Tim. Like maybe it's on your list because you're a pastor, but I'm not that spiritual. I, I don't know if it's on my list. We're going to talk about why this should be on your list. Not just why it should be on your list, why it should be the top of your list. That this is your greatest need, to know God as Father and for his kingdom to come in your life. And and here's why it's important to start there. is because so many of us start elsewhere, don't we? In, In the midst of our need, so many of us start elsewhere. We don't look to God, our Father, and his rule in the midst of our need. We look to lowercase g gods and their rule in our lives. And so we look to things like money, sex, and power, and we think, they'll fill my need. Some of us look to the American dream, and we just think, I'm going to work hard, I'm going to do my job, I'm going to earn my keep, and I don't actually need anybody. Some of us look to our our spouses, some of us look to our our kids, our friends, and we think, they're going to affirm me, they're going to fill my need. And so we usually don't start with God our Father and his kingdom in the midst of our need. We usually go to these lowercase g gods. Here's the problem with that. None of those lowercase g gods have hallowed be their name next to them, right? None of them are perfect. None of them are holy. They can't fill your needs. Now, you may try to make it that way, right? Some of us try to to make their name say 
hallowed be your name. Like if I could just get this promotion, then my financial need would be done away with. Hallowed be your name, promotion, right? Like if I could just get this sex, then my relational need would be solved, right? It would all go away. Sex, hallowed be your name. Like if I I could just get this affirmation, this encouragement, this job well done from my, my spouse, from my boss, from my friends, if I could just be affirmed, this depression, maybe it would disappear. And we look at that affirmation, we look at our spouse, our friends, and we say, hallowed be your name. You see, when we do that, and listen, let's be honest for a moment, we all do that. Maybe we don't, we don't say that. We don't say they're holy, but we act like it functionally. Because some of you are sitting here thinking right now, like, Tim, I know my spouse isn't holy, right? I don't struggle with that. I don't put hallowed be their name. But functionally, we, we do. And when you do, because they're not holy, you're putting yourself under the rule of someone who can't handle that, right? When you go to your spouse and look to them to fulfill all your needs, you're putting, themselves not under, you're putting yourself not under God's perfect rule, but their imperfect rule, their sinful rule. And you, they can't take that. They can't feel that need. That no one, no thing can feel the need that God is supposed to feel. He is your perfect father. His kingdom come. His will be done. His rule be done, even in the midst of your need. And that's where we need to start in our prayer amidst our need. Because what will happen, and it happens to all of us, maybe you're familiar with this if you've done this, is that we get put under their rule. They can't meet it. I'll take that back. Maybe they can meet it for a day, right? Maybe they last a day. Maybe they last a week. Maybe they last a month. They can meet your need for a day, and then what happens? They fail, right? Because they're not perfect. Because they can't handle all your needs. So they fail, and it ends up putting you in a greater need than where you were before. Have you ever experienced that? You're just more devastated. You're more depressed. You're more in financial need because you're not going to the right source for your need. So God's rule, God's reign in our lives, God our Father is the only one sufficient for all of our needs. So what do we need to do? We need to go to him first. We need to add God the Father and his holy reign. We need to put that on our list of needs, right? We need to put it at the very top of our list of needs because that is our greatest need. So we pray, when we pray, we pray our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come in my life and my needs. And when we do that, not only does he help us in our need, but he teaches us how to rightly view our need. Look at what it says in verse 11. Verse 11, it says, give us this day our daily bread. What does that mean? Maybe you've heard that before. Notice those two phrases. Look at the verse. This day, daily bread. What he's doing is taking us back to the Old Testament, the book of Exodus. Uh, The Israelites are on the run. They've been rescued from slavery, from generations of slavery, that God has orchestrated that. And they're out wandering around, and, and what do the Israelites do? Do you know? After they've been rescued from generations of slavery, they complain because they're hungry, right? They think, God, I know you could rescue us from slavery. I'm not sure that you can feed us. And so God says, I can. And he rains down bread from heaven. And it's not just any kind of bread. Like, don't think communion bread, right? It's really good bread. 
Exodus chapter 16 says it's like uh, wafers with honey. So basically it's raining pastries over the Israelites. But it's interesting what God does. God gives them specific instructions to just take their portion for that day. It's interesting what Jesus does as he says how we should pray. If you notice, he says, pray like this, give us this day, right, our daily bread. Just your portion for the day. Why does he say it that way? Why did God do it that way in Exodus? I think it's because of this. I think because just like the Israelites, just like the people in Jesus' day, we need to be reminded of our dependency on God. Right? Our daily dependency on God. Because a lot of us struggle with this. I think specifically in our culture, we struggle with this, right? Because we have so much at our fingertips. Right? I was thinking about it uh, this week. Like, I had a cell phone when I was in college. Some of you are in college and I was talking to you. You all have cell phones. I had a cell phone, but it was like a brick. Like some of you have a cell phone that fits around your wrist. Things are all at our fingertips. Now, I used to watch cartoons on Saturday mornings only. You remember those days? Saturday morning only is when you watch cartoons. Now you can binge watch Daniel Tiger for four hours on Netflix. And listen, parents, you know this, right? You know this. No longer can we have the excuse of kids, it's not on right now. Because they know about instant streaming. Like they're familiar with what that is. We have so much at our fingertips. And so it's hard for us to think about daily dependence on God, going daily. God, give me today what I need. Here's my list. I need you to wake up in the morning. I need you for breath and life. I need you for this relationship. I need you for this business deal. I need you for this sin in my life. And some of us, I think we know we should pray, right? We we all know we should pray like that every day. Give our daily needs to God. But why don't we? I think it's for a lot of us that we think, I, I know there's some big stuff I need to pray for, like career, What career am I going to choose? What major am I going to choose? Something goes to crisis in our life. Somebody dies in our life. Somebody gets really sick in our life, and we think, oh, that's when we pray in our need. But these little situations, these daily needs, I think maybe I could just handle those myself, right? I don't need to pray about everything. And so I want you to think about this for a second. If God is ruler, it's all his kingdom, right? If God is ruler over heaven and earth, what's outside of that? What's outside of that? Nothing. So your business deal isn't outside the rule of God. Your sexual relationships aren't outside the will of God. He knows about them, right? Your your finances, they're not outside the will of God. Your breakfast is not outside the will of God. Your conversation with your kid is not outside the will of God. I think you get the picture. Nothing is outside of his will, his rule. He is God, our Father, reigning above everything. So can you go to him with your little needs? Yes. Can you go to him with your big needs? Yes. Can you go to him in conversation? Yes. Can you go to him in crisis? Yes, right? 
You have to believe that. Jesus is teaching us how to pray, and he says, pray like this. Give us this day, our daily bread, because he knows what God knew in the Old Testament. He knows what he knew in his day. He knows in our day with all of our little gadgets right at our fingertips, he knows it's a struggle for you to depend on God. And so he's teaching you. He's training you. He wants to do that in the midst of your need to depend on him, to not be self-sufficient, but to be deeply dependent on God for everything in our lives. So what if we just tried that? It's a crazy idea, right? What if we just tried that? What if we started today and you began to think through that list of needs that you do have and you just started to pray that to God? What if you just took the rest of this series and you just took all those needs, all those daily needs, and you just started, hey, I'm going to daily pray these to God. I'm going to look at this prayer guide to do that to help me do that. I'm going to get with somebody else to help me do that. I'm going to get with my spouse and say, hey, instead of doing this other thing, fasting, some of you are doing that. Instead of doing this, we're going to remove this so we can replace it with, with prayer. And we're going to list our needs out to God because we want to rely upon God and see him in our need. Let's just do that and see what, see what God does with that. Because the reality is God is overall and he's orchestrating everything and he does provide. Friday night, we were at our house uh, for a community group leader meeting. Community groups are, are what we do in homes during the week where we flesh out, we work out everything that we're talking about right now. Like, what does this look like to live this out? And so we had 27 leaders, future leaders in our home on Friday night. And it was an amazing time, excited for what God's going to do this year. If you're not in one, get in one of those before you leave today. But I was talking to two of our guys before we left that night. And they were just telling me about this refugee family who needed a car that they just met. And they needed a car. They had a big family and needed a car. And one of them went to work the next day, and he was in a staff meeting. And get this. In the staff meeting, his boss just says, hey, guys, I'm looking to give away my car. Do you know where I can do that? Isn't that crazy? We talked about how crazy it was, like, what conversation, what room are you in, just right now, what room are you in where you just hear somebody say, hey, I'm trying to give away my car? Anybody know how I can do that? Anybody know of one in need that I can give my car to? Have you been in that conversation lately? No, usually we're in the, car, in the conversation of like, I need to sell my car. Like it's a beating. I need to get rid of my car. But nobody just says I need to give away my car. Help me out with that. But that's what happened. You see, God orchestrates, God provides in the midst of our need. We need to go to him. And I know as I say that, a lot of us who are skeptical and cynical are thinking, I could use a car, right? I, I need a car. Where's my car? I prayed for a car. If I pray for one right now, Tim, will it happen? Will you orchestrate that? Will you help me out with that? I don't know. I don't know if that will happen. Some of us think through our needs and we think, that's a great story. That hasn't happened for me. God hasn't provided in the midst of my need. And so that's a, that's a reality that we deal with. Like I said, we're in church right now, and sometimes we do this. We detach from reality when we come into church, right? We listen to sermons, and we say nice things, and we look at cute sermon graphics, and we think, well, that's, that's nice for church, but I don't know if that applies when I go home. I don't know if that applies in my workplace or in my family life. You need to know it does. And so how does it apply? How do we pray in the midst of our need knowing there are some needs that are going to go unmet? 
I think this will help us. How we approach this as we look at our needs, even the ones God doesn't meet, or at least the way we want him to. Look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Book of Daniel in the Old Testament, they give us a good example. Those names, by the way, really good baby names. I know we have a lot of new babies in our church. It's not too late. Go to the courthouse. I think they can figure you out. Replace them with those names. But if you know the story, some of you may have heard this growing up, but they're about to be thrown into a fiery furnace if they don't worship this false god. And they respond this way. I love it. They say, we believe God is able and we believe God will deliver us. But even if he doesn't, we're going to worship our God, not yours. Boom, right? Isn't that powerful? Have you ever pictured yourself in the midst of your need saying something like that? God, I I know you can. I believe you will. But even if you don't, I'm going to worship you. That's so powerful. That's so courageous. All of us in here would want to be able to say that. How can we say that? How did they say that? I think it's because of this. They realized, when we were able to say this, we realized that God is our greatest need. Look at verse 12 with me. Jesus says, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And so, get this. Jesus says we don't just have a need. It's, it's greater than that. He uses this word, debt. That we are in debt against this Holy Father This God of the universe who's ruling and reigning over everything. You and I are all in debt. And only he has the power to forgive us from that sin, from that debt. Only he has the power, as we look at this text, verse 13, to free us from that sin, that temptation, to deliver us from evil. That our greatest need is our sin, our debt against a holy God. You need to know that this morning. I know you have some other needs, and I don't mean to minimize them, but your greatest need is that you were dead in your sin with a debt you could not pay, and that God, in his power and his provision, he sent Jesus to die to free you from the power of sin, to forgive you from the results of sin. That is your biggest need. And so it's only when we realize God, that, you, you are my biggest need. Uh, these things are important, but you are my biggest need. Only when we realize that can we say, God, I know you can. I believe that you will, but even if you don't, you're good. Even if you don't, it is well with my soul. Even if you don't, I'm not going to go and worship other things. I'm going to worship you. Why? Because you're my greatest need. That you have filled that need through the cross. And so we pray, Father, forgive our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And that when we do that, we realize, God, you're good. You've met our greatest need. And that even if, listen, this is really important, even if he never meets another need in your life, your greatest need has already been met. And so you can worship him. You can declare him. You can go through life knowing, God, you can and you will, but even if you don't, I'm still going to follow you and help others do the same. It's powerful. And what I love about this prayer is Jesus doesn't just pray for forgiveness, right? 
If you know the story of Jesus, he's not just teaching you how to pray for forgiveness. No, he goes on to die for your forgiveness. And so it is real life. All of your needs are real. They're not detached from this place. They're not detached from his word. They're not detached from this prayer. They're real. How do I know God meets you in those needs? Because he gave up his own son to die for you in the midst of your greatest need. You don't have to wonder. You don't have to doubt. Some of those needs that you want met, maybe it's not the time to meet those needs. And you have a sovereign ruler of heaven and earth, his kingdom. He he knows what you need. He's orchestrating that. He's going to deliver you at the right time. We don't know what that looks like. And so we can be content as we depend on God in our greatest need, in our little needs. And so how do we start to live this out? If, if it is real life, if we are supposed to pray in the midst of our need, how do we do that? The first thing is this, pray first in your need. Like some of you need to, to write down your needs on a sheet of paper and think, God, what do I need from you today? Right? Not the Mercedes, not the Super Bowl tickets, But what are my needs? Like, what is my daily bread today? You need to list those needs out, and you need to submit them to God as you depend on him. So you need to do that. But don't stop there, right? Don't stop with just praying first in your need. Reorient all of your needs around God and what he says your needs are. You see, so many times we we don't say first, God our Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. We don't do that first. We go to other people first. We go to ourselves first. And so we're operating out of a a sense of need that may not even be accurate. It may not even be what you really need. God needs to define your needs, and we need to view them accordingly. And so reorient all of your life around the needs that God says you have. The second thing is this. Write down the needs he's already met. Write down the needs he's already met. Some of us are in a place right now where we're like, even now, you're saying, Tim, God doesn't meet my needs. I mean, we still have some financial struggles that we don't know how to get out of. This relational struggle, he hasn't said he's sorry yet. What do I do with that? I don't want to have that conversation. I am in need. And some of you are thinking, I don't know if God meets my needs. Listen, you know that list, right? You're familiar with that list of needs, What I would encourage you to do this morning is to make another list, that you would have a second list, and say, God, how have you already met my needs? That you would think big picture this last year, God, how have you met my needs? That you would think last week, God, how have you met my needs? I'm horrible at that, right? Just to be honest with you, I'm horrible at that. There's things that happen in our church all the time, and my wife says, you should write that down. I say, oh, yeah, I should. I should do that. And I don't. And then I get on a hard Sunday or a hard week, and I think, God, God what are you even doing? Are you, are you meeting the needs of our church? Are you meeting the needs of my life and my family? How quickly we forget, don't we? You need to make that list. You need to think about it. I guarantee you God is meeting some of your needs that you don't even realize. Maybe some of them right now for you are just spiritual. Maybe some of them are just, God, you forgave me and you brought me into relationship with yourself when I was your enemy. We can all start with that one, right? 
We need to make that list. We need to make a second list. God, how have you already met our needs? And then the last thing I would encourage you to do is to pray for the needs of others. As I was preparing for this, I was thinking about it. Man, this could be a really self-serving message. Like, we all walk out of here thinking like, God, yeah, what do I need? I need to be more in tune with my needs. That's a good, past- that's a good sermon, Pastor. We love that. But again, context is always important, right? Earlier in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus talks about giving to the needy. And so we also need to take our eyes off our own needs sometimes and realize there's people in this room, because there are. There's people in our city, because there are, who are in the midst of a great need. How can we, as the church, who's had our greatest need met, how can we declare that and demonstrate that to others who are in need? As we close, I want to do this. If you haven't uh, memorized the Lord's Prayer, I want you to start. Maybe for some of you, this has been something you just recite. It's been a ritual. I don't want it to be that, though. I want you to start to memorize the Lord's Prayer and personalize it for your life, for your needs, that this would help you reorient all of your life around God and what he says your needs truly are. And so we're going to pray it together now. Would you just right where you're seated pray this with me? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Father in heaven, I thank you that you are a good father, that you are holy, and that we can trust you, that you rule everything. And nothing, nothing is excluded from that. Nothing in this room that the men and women may be dealing with, is excluded from that. And so I pray that we would bring it to you, trusting that you are good, that you can, that you will, that even if you don't, we're going to worship you because you have met our greatest need through the cross. Uh, Father, I pray we wouldn't leave here without praying about our needs. Some of us have uh, great needs this morning. Some of us have the need of we don't know you yet. So I pray for the men and women in this room who, who don't know you yet, that greatest need that they have hasn't been filled, that they would right now, that they would stop listening to me, they would start talking to you, and they would, they would talk to you about their need of sin, that you have forgiven them of their sin through the cross and the resurrection, and that the men and women that are in here that have done that, God, they would know you've freed them from the power of sin, that you can deliver us from temptation and evil. You have the power to do that. May we pray in the midst of all of our needs physical, relational, financial, and spiritual. God, help us to do that. We need your help in the midst of our need. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.